My name is Kevin Ward. I'm the program director of the Sports Animal Radio Network out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm also a deacon at the Park Church in Tulsa overseeing the sports ministry. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Suit Up. Like a lot of us, there was a time in our young adulthood that Phil Robertson turned away from the Lord, even turning away from what could have been a very lucrative professional football career. As he has said many times, he turned the reins at quarterback at Louisiana Tech University over to one Terry Bradshaw because Bradshaw wanted to chase the bucks and Phil wanted to chase the ducks. But God had great plans for Phil and his family, as millions of us saw when Duck Dynasty was on the air for six seasons. I consider Phil to be a modern-day Paul. He loves the Lord, he knows his Bible, and he's got opinions. And the patriarch of the Robertson clan out of West Monroe, Louisiana, is up next on Suit Up. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the park. We are a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m., and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them, and our kids, age 1 to 5th grade, have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike, or check us out on the web at parkplaza.org. Being raised in Vivian, Louisiana, that's almost Texas. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's it. So, 20, 20 miles, 23 miles to Texas. So tell me about life in Vivian growing up, and how, how long did you live there? Uh, we were born and raised there, all of us. We started out in a log cabin, fireplace in the end of it, uh, no bathtub commode. You had a toilet out there a couple of hundred yards behind the house. Plow mule, one horse. Had a milk cow for your milk and your butter killed your own hog. Here's the deal. If you had pulled up there in 1950, I was born in 46, year after World War II. If you had pulled up to that house, it was built by one of uh, Mama's cousins with a cross-cut saw and an axe. And if you had pulled up there in 1950, you would have thought it was 1850. <laughs> so my dad, for whatever reason, he just, uh, he he ended up in the oil field. He's an old World War II vet, but uh, ended up in the oil field. But he just, he planted corn every year. We had plenty of vegetables to eat, potatoes up under the house uh, for snacks. You would go in the fall, you'd go get, we call them hickory nuts, hickory nuts, but we call them hickory nuts. And we kept those under our bed and mama's uh, deal pickles. So you would have thought it was 1850 instead of 1950, slow pace, got a lot of game out of the woods and whatnot. And uh, that's the way we were raised. I remember that from your uh, book, Happy, Happy, Happy. 
So you started playing uh, sports at some point because you became very good at one point in a lot of things. Uh, Sports-wise, you were an all-stater in football and and, uh, baseball and track. Was it because of six other brothers and sisters that you got so competitive? Or was was your dad uh, or mom into sports or athletic? How'd that come about? We'd just all get together, the Robertsons and the Hales and the Hobbses, all of our first cousins, you know, be like, uh, you know, there was there was Mama. Her her sister was right 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 across the first field at the house, so they had boys, and uh, we'd all gather up for all sorts of sporting events. Even before we had like balls with air in them, we just had like socks with other with with cloth in them, and I mean, I mean we had sticks for bats. I mean, look, it's just, it's a low-tech <laughs> sporting sporting events here, but we always were we were into it the whole thing: baseball, softball, and football. We got the football. I said, in the, I think I said that in Happy Happy Happy. The the local coach just drove up there in front of the house one day and threw the ball out the window. I threw football out the window and, and went on back to Vivian. And we all ran over and kind of stood around it there for a few minutes looking at it. And I said, man, can you believe what's falling in their lap? That is a regulation football. Of course, we took that thing and until uh, we wore it slam out. But uh, back in those days, you had cow mess wars as far as your arm is concerned. Cow mess for the cows left their dung. We had wars with that. That's what we threw at each other when we wanted to have fun. So that's how you developed that arm strength and the quickness to dodge that stuff. Yep, might have been. I don't know. uh, (laughs) Out of all the brothers, but I was the one with the arm. None of the rest of them had an arm. You know, you're born with that. A lot of people think you, you learn how to play. I played quarterback from the third grade to four through four years of college. And I could have played one last year when Bradshaw was right behind me, but I stepped out, he stepped up, and the rest is history. Uh, he had me about, uh, he could throw it about, you know, take a step and throw the ball about 75. I could take a step and throw it about 65. <laughs> but that's kind of a, so he had me a little bit on the strength, but I had a, according to him and everybody else around there, if you ever ask him about it, uh, I had him on, my release was quicker. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of like uh, mm, the old guy that, uh, uh, a little bit like Joe Namath, the ball was kind of out in front of him, uh, front of, him uh, of him a little bit. In other words, I, I didn't I didn't come back very far. I just came from, when you come back and you have the ball up, I mean, that ball didn't move back further. I didn't pull back and throw it. I just put it... Uh, the, there's uh, San Diego. What what's the uh, the one that kind of side arms about a little bit? What's his name? Oh, Philip Rivers. Rivers. Mm-hmm. You know Rivers. You notice he's got kind of a, a, a he's got a quick release, but he's a little bit side arm. You ever notice that? Yep. Yep. Well, mine was over the top, but it was like that. In other words, he he doesn't wrap back, so he's got a quick release. And I was somewhere in there, but the bottom line is I had a quick release, but. So I just ended up, when I got up there, I could throw a baseball further than they could, a javelin further than they could, everybody else running, and a football further than they could. So they said, man, that that little kid got an arm. (laughs) So I played quarterback the whole time.
I was going to ask you real quick, Phil, about baseball because we know, we know about football. Was baseball a, a choice for you uh, in college as well? Do you have any offers there? They asked me about it, and uh, some of them from Louisiana Tech. I got offers from a lot of schools. Uh, I mean, it was just way more than Louisiana Tech. I mean, LSU, Baylor, uh, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss, you know, within a so I got a lot of, I never some more rice, I remember one, but they wanted me to come there, but I went to Louisiana Tech because it was closer to my house, mm-hmm. from Vivian to, to Ruston, which was about, oh, hour and a half drive, so that's why I chose Louisiana Tech, I just wanted to keep hunting, keep, 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 I wanted to, wanted to hunt them ducks and squirrels, you know. Mm-hmm. Finally, you know, after my playing four years of college ball, what got me on it, the whole thing, was it just became such a business-like atmosphere. And uh, the, some of the fun left it after I, once I left high school. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. I wanted to ask you, Phil, too, did you grow up in a Christian household? Yep. So you, you, were, you were like a lot of us who kind of just lost your way there for a while and uh, made some, some choices that at the time probably weren't. Uh, in your best interest, but boy, oh, uh, looking back at it, it, God had a plan, huh? He had a plan. I was just stupid enough to start running with the world, which shows you that even even with a with a good upbringing, uh, you, you can still lose your way. The evil one is powerful, my man, very powerful, and uh, he had me till I was about twenty eight. Of course, I went to to earned my first degree, went back and earned my master's at night school and whatnot. But uh, I think one of the things, and I didn't realize it, I've just mulled it over through the years, but I never heard the word God or Jesus used in that whole time I was in college. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. No one ever spoke well of God, or, and no one had anything to say about him. It's kind of looking at. It's kind of like looking at the Democratic Party now. They, when's the last time you heard any one of them speak kindly or say anything about Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Not, not a word. I mean none. Yep. So you don't realize how powerful that is when you leave home and you you get into that environment. When well, next thing you know, you're running with the wicked like I did. And that lasted until I got out of college and for four or five years there. At 28, someone asked me, you know, how, you know did, did I know what the gospel was? And I said, gospel music on the radio, I guess. And, and that, that's where it started. Some guy sat down and just showed me Jesus coming down in flesh. And we're counting time by him 2,019 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Dying on a cross for the sins of the world and the resurrection is what caught my attention. I said, I don't know how I missed that, but I did. So, did you ever did you ever consider coaching at all? I, when I first left Tech, I taught school physical education, English. I minored in English at Louisiana Tech and I majored in physical ed. I, was, I, I said, well, I guess I'll just coach. I get the holidays off. I can duck hunt. Uh, school holidays off, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I was just adding up what duck season looked like if I chose to teach school. So 
I figured, well, that's that's the route to go. So I taught school about five years in the public school system in Junction City, Arkansas. And I taught like 10th grade English and uh, physical ed, and I coached. And they gave me the ninth graders out of the ninth grade team. And then, of course, I went with the varsity squad too, you know. But uh, I I handled quarterbacks and backs, you know. How successful was the program? Very, very successful. We did well. How many years did you coach? Uh, I want to say that must have been about four or five, somewhere along in there. Then I, I was still a heathen and getting worse all the time, just drinking, getting drunk, running, whoring around. And uh, it was the 60s after all. So from there, uh, when I finally repented at 28 and the drunkenness and all the hellish things I was doing, I got that behind me. I taught in a, a little Christian school. I said, now that, you know, to get on my feet at the time, I was working like offshore and this and that and other. So I was just sort of drifting through life with not much going. I look back now, I got a 28-year track record, and it's a pitiful sight. So I said, you know what, the time for a change. I said, I think I'll go back to teaching school, Miss Kay. So I hired on with a little Christian school. I said, they tell me they're good people. <laughs> I said, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I, I taught their children. Uh, the, the Christian children where I taught at that Christian school, I stayed there about two years. And from there is when I said, find me a place on the river. I'm going to, I'm going to get this duck call on the market, Miss Kay, and we're going to, and good times will come our way. I was making 150 bucks a week at the Christian school, 600 a month. That was it. But it really did help me because that was the first two years after I repented and I was dealing with people who were godly. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And the impact I had from them being godly and me teaching their children so I, I grew a lot in those two years. I taught Christian children. We didn't have much of a, there was no gym. They were just starting that school. Now it's a, it's a, it's a great school, Washington Christian. They have their own facilities now, their balls, their football stadium and the gym and all that. At that time, uh, physical ed was participated. We, we participated in physical education out on the parking lot. <laughs> so, you know. We set up a volleyball net, first one thing and another, but that's the way we did it. I know, uh, Phil, at the height of the popularity of Duck Dynasty, uh, you guys were involved, uh, the family was, uh, I guess, uh, in Duck Commander in a lot of different sporting events. And, and uh, oh, yeah. uh, one of them was a NASCAR race. Was that was that something that you gravitated towards, or, or, or how Not did NASCAR all. fit? Not at all. Willie dreamed that up, and uh, we, we put him... As the CEO, we just handed it over to him when it got up there making, oh, we were up in there making, you know, turning about seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred thousand a year on the duck call and all. That's when Willie, we said, Willie, take this thing. I said, I'm not a businessman. I said, but this thing, it's got too big for me to take care of it. So Willie became the CEO, and uh, from there, after that was when, Duck Dynasty came along a few years later, and then the thing just just went ballistic. So, what that gave us was a platform, and 
I've been converting people ever since I came out of the the baptism, uh, uh, the waters of baptism. Mm-hmm. I've been converting people, my man, ever since then. Otherwise, I I went from wide open for the evil one. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to I'm going to look at these verses and do what it says. You know, I took that. You know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus said, "Therefore, go and make disciples." And you baptize by the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you to the end. They teach them everything I've told you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Well, I took that as get, let's get it. So I just went wide open the other way. Well, you can imagine by the time Duck Dynasty and all that came along, we have baptized them by the thousands. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. They're still coming from that, from that. And whatever I'm doing now with Blaze TV and all of that, we got a podcast out now. It's a pretty cool thing because it's me and two boys that Miss Kay gave me, my oldest one, Al, and you've met him, and Jason. Yes, sir. So I've got me, Al, and Jason are doing the podcast, and I'm sitting back. And we all got our Bibles in front of us, and we're going from Genesis to Revelation. We zero in, really, the first few times just on the gospel of Jesus. What is it? What God has done for us, his death for us, his burial, resurrection, interceding for us, and the response to that, faith, confession of Jesus as Lord, and take him to the river. So that's basically what we're touting but we're, we're going to go through the whole Bible with them. But I was amazed, and I was proud of them without realizing I was listening to them talk mm-hmm. when we got over there in the Genesis account and all. And uh, I was really impressed with how intelligent Alan, Alan and Jason were. I was thinking to myself, good night. I didn't know these boys had that kind of minds on me. <laughs> I said, I'm glad they're mine. I said, boy, Miss Kay's training, and of course I... I helped train them too, but I was impressed with their knowledge of the Bible. I can tell you that. Oh, you've got you got so much to be proud of with with that family, and and I can attest to the talent of Al. I've heard him speak many many times here in Tulsa. But I'm going to go back a few years, Phil, with you because you came to speak at uh, Park Plaza Church of Christ here in Tulsa probably ten years ago or so. And you came in billed as the Duck Commander. This was before Duck Dynasty. And I can tell folks that you were preaching the same word then that you are now. You have not changed. You have not deviated from that idea of what God expects you to tell people. And it's it's hard for some people because you're pretty blunt and open with your thoughts. Well, you know, there, there's so much... Uh Somebody said there was like 20,000 different kinds of churches, and we've it's so splintered and so divided, and yeah, 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 over here and over there. So I just looked at the whole thing and just kind of stepped back. And you read that Romans 12, which is a great text to go to. I'm looking at it. Uh, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Well, when I read that, I said, you know what? We're confining 
we've got Jesus confined to these church buildings, and uh, they'll have a the American model of Christianity is meet on Sunday morning for an hour or two, maybe that night, maybe not, and then on Wednesday night. Well, if you just add the hours up and you and you get it down to that, and that's all you ever do, Dan, bring me my glasses. Uh, if that's all you ever do, you just think about what little time you have spent compared to what I just read you in Romans 12. Mm-hmm. Well, if you read Romans 12, he goes from there, don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. We're all members of the same body. We're so splintered and divided now, we can't come together on much of nothing. I'm hoping that people will just understand that's the reason I wrote the book. That last book, The Theft of America's Soul, we're fighting the same evil one, the same devil is there. We have the same God. We ought to come together and at least agree that God became flesh 2,019 years ago. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross for the sins of the world, mine, yours, and everyone else's. And three days later, after they buried him, he arises from the dead, raised from the dead, and that's our ticket out of here, immortality. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And if you just think about it, you don't need to dig any deeper than if all your sins are removed, you've been freed from Satan, you've been freed from guilt, cleanse your guilty conscience has even been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You're not under a law of works anymore, like the law of Moses, where you have to be perfect or you're dead. And finally, you've been delivered free from the grave. Well, if we just could agree on that, I'm thinking, well, that's about as theological as I need to get. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I mean, somebody said, well, you know, you need to know the deeper truths of the Bible. I said, let me tell you something, dude. My sins are removed. I mean, I'm not under a, uh, under law. I'm under grace. I mean, I'm going to be delivered from the grave. Mm-hmm. God has cleansed me from my guilt. He's freed me from Satan. I said, I, I believe I'm, I, I've got life and immortality here. I believe that's about as deep as I'm going to dig. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the marching orders are pretty simple, and that is just to love everybody. And that's what I appreciate what you did for us here, a Phil. God came to me, uh, not this last Sunday, but the one before. And... Uh, I was fixed to give the lesson later on there, you know, but we was having a big breakfast. We have a big breakfast. People coming off the street, some of them sleeping on the bridges. We just tell them, come on in. It's all all types of people coming in there. So we're there. He walks up to me. I'm sitting at a table up on the stage there. I just sit down and give him the lesson. But anyway, he set a piece of paper in front of me, and, and he turned around walked back into the audience there. Well, I just reached down and got the paper, unfolded, looked at it, and he said, the, the, the note said, I want you to baptize me today. I thought, well, that's good. That guy's probably been coming around here, you know, because I, I had never, I, I hadn't noticed him being there. So when he came down after I gave the lesson, and there was a couple more too, when we got back in the water, he said, Phil, do you remember me? And I said, well... Uh, I said, the name seems a little bit familiar. I said, but man, I've, 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 I've baptized a lot. We're standing in the water in the baptismal pool. 
and I said, but I really don't, I remember the name a little bit, I said, but, but I can't place when that was. He said, I'll tell you when it was. He said, 28 years ago, he said, I came to your house, and he said, you were out there building duck calls, you had an old lathe, he said, and you told me that Jesus had died for me, and he was buried and raised from the dead, and he said, and he's there mediating for me, and, and, but I didn't move on it. He said, I walked out the door of your house thinking to myself, I probably ought to move on that, but maybe I will in a, in a while. He said, Phil, now that I've, 20, it's 28 years later, I spent over 20 of them in prison. I lost my way. I am now, I've returned. And I won't, he said, because today's lesson, you said the same thing today you said 28 years ago. <laughs> you made sure you got that story of Jesus in there. He said, well, now I'm ready. He said, it sure would have saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of prison time if I'd have just taken you up on this 28 years ago. Wow. What, what stood out about that story, what stands out about it is, it occurred to me he didn't forget it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I just told him about Jesus, but he didn't forget it. 28 years later, he walks back up and says, okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> I took a beating to get here. I said, well, whatever puts you in prison, it's those sins are going to be removed. That's the good news, dude. Yeah. So I baptized him, and now he's he's on, he's a loving every minute of it. So that's a pretty good story. Oh, that's an awesome story. Praise God. I, I want to give a plug for your podcast, Phil, Unashamed. As of the taping of, of this podcast, there's only been one episode, and it was a good one. And it, go, it reminds me of what you were talking about a few minutes ago with how many people you reach, because uh, Jace was telling a story on that podcast about uh, some of those places he has stopped and talked at and how many people have you know, come forward to renew their relationship with Christ due to what he had to say. And, yep. and of course, the same thing with, with Alan and I'm sure with Willie as well. And we know about, about you. So one parting shot for you here before we say goodbye. And, I, and I, let me also say this. I mentioned the book, Happy, Happy, Happy. There's also Unfiltered, the way I see it, explaining the joy of Christ. And then, of course, the latest book, The Theft of America's Soul, all available uh, wherever good books are sold. What would you want to leave with the young athlete that is listening to this podcast today in regards to them making sport somewhat important, but not the most important thing? It, it's, it's sporting events. It, they're, they're a good way. They can get your education paid for. Uh, they're worth that to excel in it. Uh, it's a good thing in that it teaches you it, you're being trained you're being disciplined, you're being taught, uh, you're being chastised from time to time. All scriptures God read is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. In sporting events, all those things are needed, or you go join the U.S. military or something. So the discipline part about it all, and it keeps your body in good shape, it's a good thing. But everyone has to remember, while you're doing that, life is peace of mind and immortality 
is on the table here, what God has come down, the creator of the cosmos, and has made available for us. So first things first, the most important thing is you respond to Jesus by faith, go to the river, and when you come out of that water, you go straight ahead. You never go to the right or left, excel in whatever it is you're in, including the, the, the sporting events. But just always keep in mind, there's a God in heaven where we will all answer to him. And life and immortality, if you have a better story or if someone tells you a better story, make sure you get that information to me because so far I've had no one touch that story. No one. <laughs> so, and you do that, what it'll do is it'll give you peace of mind while you're on the earth and gives you some context on why you're here. It's amazing that at one time, everybody, no one here, you, me, anyone else, we weren't here for thousands of years, not even a trace of us. We didn't exist. Your mother and your father comes together, and it had to be those particular two in order for you to be you. They came together, and the sperm and you, it, you, it hits the embryo, and all of a sudden, for the first time in thousands of years, you literally take up space, but you're very small. Well, you stay in there about nine months, and out you come, and you look around and say, whoa, what in the world just happened? <laughs> so now you're crawling around on the floor. You get old enough to sin about the ninth grade or so, a little after that. You begin to sin, you begin to see two different things pop up. One is good, and one is evil. But you're taking up space, and you're wondering about these things. It's at that point, if you turn your life to Jesus, what Jesus is saying to you, I'm the one that provided you life. I'm the reason you're here. You didn't exist for thousands of years. You came out of thin air. And here you are. Now this is your trial period. Always love me and love your neighbors. Get in on what I provided for you. Put your faith in my death for you. I love you. And I'll raise you from the dead so that you will always take up space. Eternally. I'll give you eternal life. Immortality. You look at it that way, and you say, boy, we all barely got here to begin with, and it's very precious life. Immortality is on the table, and Jesus provided that free of charge, unlike a, uh, government health care. This is free, so I would just keep my athletics where it should be, but I would keep my God first on the list, and you, you come out of it having what God has because you're his children and you inherit what he has and he has it all. It's a pretty, it's, I call that game set match. <laughs> amen, amen to that. Well, Phil, I, I have interviewed um, a lot of great sports figures uh, in my 33 years in the business, and this is my favorite interview ever. And I, I can't thank you enough for being a amen. part of this. Some wayward soul may hear what we're talking about here and may say, you know what, I'm on the wrong track. Well, we gave them the way out. So. Thank you, Phil. Yes, sir. 
My thanks to Phil Robertson for taking the time to be on this podcast. I'm grateful that he believes in me and this ministry. I also want to thank Dan for helping set it up as well. I hope you'll listen to other interviews here on Suit Up, and please give us a five-star rating, and may God bless you.